3: On your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors, we take stock of the Raptors offseason so far, dig into where it's gone wrong and how the Raptors can still turn this thing around and whether or not the front office deserves a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. Plus, ownership stuff. It's all coming up on today's episode. Thanks for hanging. Oh, look, like, because when I shot it, I expected to make it. So like I don't shoot kind of mess. So.
1: You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team
4: every day.
3: What's going on, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, July the 26th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter, or X, or whatever the hell it's called now, uh, at Sean. You can go follow the show on Instagram at Locked on Raptors. And of course, the place to be on the entire internet is the Locked on Raptors Discord server. The link to come hang out is in the description uh lots of uh, great stuff going on in there we're gonna have a movie chat as i saw oppenheimer last night we're gonna make we a little movie chat there we'll talk about barbie and mission impossible and all the other flicks that are coming out this summer the box office is hot baby and the discord is hot come hang out it is a uh, great place to be with friends to talk about the team in a pleasant non-twittery non-toxic way it's a lovely lovely Thing. uh You can also support the show by following, subscribing, rating, reviewing all your favorite podcast apps. And of course, you can hit the big red subscribe button on YouTube. You can't miss it. It's big, it's red, it's in your face. Please hit it, support the show, and make me feel good about myself. All right, let's get to it. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com locked on today to get started. And we will get started by bringing in the lovely Katie Heindel, who is here. We are happy to have you, Katie. What's going on?
4: We're going to treat Twitter, I think, like we're going to treat Skydome, right? Which is, they renamed it Roger Center, but everybody who knows and knew it before will just keep calling it Skydome and we'll just keep calling it Twitter.
3: I keep calling it Air Canada Center. Yeah, 100%. I don't really care what the powers that be want it to be called. It's ubiquitous as Twitter. I'm not calling it X. That is ridiculous. All right, let's uh, get into it here, Katie. On today's show, we're going to kind of take stock of where the Raptors offseason sits and, you know, I think kind of dive into... Hopefully some balanced criticism and fair benefit of the doubt for a front office that's had a lot of critique and, uh, you know, fingers pointed over the course of the offseason. I think some of it very fairly. They've done some stuff that hasn't worked out so hot. Uh, you know, they're, one of their best players walked away for nothing. I think that on its own is worth breaking down and critiquing. But I do think, and I've certainly been guilty of this as someone who wants action now, damn it. Uh, You know, I think there's still plenty of runway here for this thing to turn around. And the idea that the Raptors' next move is kind of waiting for the Damian Lillard, James Harden of it all to kind of get sorted out, I think actually holds some merit. We talked about Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero ain't coming to the Raptors unless the Dame Lillard trade goes down. So there is still probably some stuff in the hopper that has yet to be done. But Katie, let's start with where things have gone wrong this summer. You know, I think... I've kind of, uh, you know, done a heel turn this summer. It seems and become like the grump who thinks everything is bad after spending seven years being the it's fine guy. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like being this person. I don't like being disappointed with the way the team has been built right now. But I also think it's fair because the team doesn't make any sense on the floor as it stands. They have no guards. They have all forwards. It's it's a big mismatch. We talked about it a lot on yesterday's show and on Monday's show. If you want to go check those out, every dayers have already checked them out. But um, Katie. Where do you think is like the fair critique of the Raptors front office that, that, so far this summer? Like, is it just the Fred thing? Is there more at play? Where do you kind of find the, the the fair criticism to be of this Raptors front office as it stands here on July the 26th, with admittedly plenty of summertime left?
4: I mean, <clears throat> to me, it's stalling, but that's not a fair criticism. Mm-hmm. So I think the fair criticism would be to say there are things going on uh, in the works, Whether that's a big trade, whether that's waiting for the terms of a big trade that maybe has passed them by and doesn't involve them anymore, but they've got to wait for those terms to meet out before they can figure out what they're going to do on the back end of it. Regardless, when I think of how they're dragging their feet and I'm trying to look at it positively, and Mm -hmm. it's not just because they're frozen, because (laughs) they haven't had to make a decision like the one they're going to have to make, I think coming up before, uh, it's because there's a lot of teams involved in these Mm -hmm. deals we've been hearing about. And sometimes that does take time. Mm -hmm. That's as fair as I can get.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I
3: I mean, it's that there's just a lot that I think is very easy, low hanging fruit to say, hey, this could have been done better. I think Mm -hmm. You point to the Fred Van Vliet thing, first of all, and they overestimated their ability to keep him. There's no doubt about it. Like, they, they went into the offseason with three pending UFAs, and they lost one of them. And that is a failure. It just is. And it paints the Jakob trade in a different light because Jakob pertle is a bit more of a tricky fit now without the pick and roll partner that made beautiful basketball magic with him down the stretch of the season. Uh, beautiful basketball magic. It was pretty good. Uh, it was like amazing. It was like for, for our standards of watching center play on the Raptors over turned, the last three years.
4: You've turned bleak.
3: <laughs> Yeah. Um you know, there's there's just no doubt that that losing Fred and not really having a ready-made replacement for his skill set, which, you know, whatever you feel about Fred Van Vliet, I'll say it for the thousandth time, his pull-up shooting and ball handling, the combination of those two things, no one else in the roster can do those things, and that is bad. Like, you have to have those skills to run effective offense in 2023 in the NBA. The other thing that really kind of grinds my gears katie to uh use a i, I don't know what, whatever that's from uh is that, a, is that a family guy reference good god what am i doing the other thing that kind of chaps me is the way the pascal siakam stuff has kind of been so public um you know i, I think it's sh- it bums me out that there's just been this like open sort of trade market for pascal siakam and the noise about his extension and his you know having to leak about not wanting to be traded and wanting to stay in toronto I just, I don't love the way this has kind of been dealt with. And Mm -hmm. again, you know, obviously you can't control when some stuff's going to leak. We don't know, um, you know, I'm sure most of it's not coming from the Raptors front office and it's the rest of the league kind of leaking and and doing all that. But it's pretty clear to me they don't have a great handle on what they want to do with Pascal And you should have a handle on what you want to do with your best player. I'm sorry. You're the front office. You should kind of know your plan there. You should know, okay, let's offer this guy the extension. Maybe he won't take it. Maybe he wants to test his luck and try to make All-NBA next year. But I don't know. How do you feel about the way the Pascal thing's been handled? Because of of all the stuff this summer, Mm -hmm. the Fred leaving, You know, obviously you couldn't account so much for the Rockets coming in and going nut-nut with their massive offer. Maybe you should have because they had all the cap space and the need for a point guard, but that's another thing. But the Pascal thing really feels to me like the biggest place in which the front office has aired this summer just not having any clear decision or direction on what they want to do with a two-time all-nba player who wants to be in toronto it's kind of baffling katie
4: i mean the 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 fred thing is baffling it's baffling in the way that they misread a situation for one of the guys who's been closest to the franchise and a cornerstone of the franchise has come up through the franchise right Mm -hmm. through different parts of the team uh to me, when you've had someone like that in your ecosystem for so long, and uh, has kind of made his career there and you've misjudged and misread the fact that like, you know, he's Mr. Ben on himself. He's gonna go mm-hmm. He's gonna go where the best offer is. And I think he made that pretty patently clear mm-hmm. to just sort of sit back and be like, well, we'll sign Yakub, you know, and that will then kind of tie our hands a little bit to how much we can offer Fred. Do I think they could have offered or should have maybe offered Fred as much? No, but I just, I do really think that that misjudgment now spills over into what's happening with Pascal. I'm yeah. not on side with you in terms of it being so public because I think it's always been public. I think the difference, like in past trade seasons, you know, Pascal's, Pascal's name's been out there. Yeah. Um, OGN and OB's name's been out there. Like the, their names are out there, but I think the difference is that things felt a lot more secure, Right. you know, with the team at that point, it was kind of like, yeah, those are just teams sort of wishing, like crossing their fingers and wishing they could get somebody like Pascal Siakko. And it didn't really seem like the Raptors were in a position or wanted to even entertain Mm -hmm. that. But now they're kind of down so bad that they have to. However, there's still this kind of, I feel like they're really white knuckling him, which is also not as good because it's Mm -hmm. not that they want to hang on to him for the right reasons. My sense is they want to hang on to him because they haven't gotten the best offer Mm -hmm. for him yet. And Well, we you and I have talked about this before, and I think it may be time to, you've lost Fred, it might be time now to, you know, move on from Pascal too, because if you looked ahead to next summer, and I, I know I hate, like, I hate doing this, but <laughs> you have the potential for somebody like OG to walk for nothing hmm. again, because his free agency is coming up. And I think, to me, it's less of like, for somebody like OG, who could take stock of the room and kind of look around and say like, what's the plan here? Like the mm-hmm. last time this team had their feet to the fire, this like right now, uh, they didn't really act that quickly and it didn't seem like they knew what they wanted and they mm-hmm. weren't really putting him in a position to succeed. Uh, if I was him and in a position to walk away and go somewhere where there seemed like a plan for me and something that could be built around me, I would probably do that. So this, all this to say that like the slippage and the kind of misunderstanding of someone that was so fundamentally close to them and Fred VanVleet, now carries over to Pascal Siakam, to Ochi, you know, to mm-hmm. like the remaining sort of core of this team in my mind. Um, which is confusing. Yeah, Because it's, the, it's sort of the same team, but like, you know, all of this, I think, to say they're trying to make decisions just based on what's worked for them in the past, rather than looking at the present and what they have in front of them and thinking like, oh wait, we're not that team anymore. We don't have these kinds of the kind of leverage that we did teams Mm -hmm. may other franchises may want to stop actually like negotiating with us soon because it sounds like we're pretty that's like from what I'm hearing that also sounds like what's happening too right sure so they're they're not in an optimal position at all
3: no they're not and yeah I think the There seems to be like a bit of indecision as to what they want to do. There's been reporting about that. Obviously, we've heard about the stubbornness in trade negotiations and everything. And, you know, I I would feel a lot less uneasy about them going into the season with both og and Pascal as like expiring contracts mm-hmm. if they hadn't just misread the fred situation right like I, I going into the fred situation i was sort of trumpeting hey like they've spent the last 10 years re-signing their own guys and taking care of them and it has not been a problem they've done it with fred twice now my belief in that is very much shaken and i don't think you can go into this season with both of those guys as pending ufas and hey katie Maybe they won't. We're going to get in a second into what could still come ahead for the Raptors this offseason. How the the chips still may fall with Pascal and OG, and how the Raptors can kind of pull themselves out of this sort of, uh, you know, trench of criticism that they're just kind of in getting like pelted with like rocks and stuff from above. Uh, We'll get into that. That was a weird way to describe whatever the hell's going on. Yeah, it yeah. was. But hey, you know, it's fine. Uh we're going to come back on the other side getting all that. Before we do that, however, got to tell you. A better friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. Take your first bet, take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets win or lose. That's 200 bucks you can spend it on betting everything from the money line to the over/under to who you think is going to hit the first home run, all on an app that's safe, secure and super easy to use. Plus, when you Win. you can get paid instantly i love the little same game parlay it's fun when i go to a game in person throw a little money down on three things happening in the game and if all three things happen baby you got yourself a payout if not that's fine you're at the game you're having a great time you're having some drinks it's not a problem either way there's no better place to bet on mlb than fanduel america's number one sports book so sign up today and visit fanduel.com locked on to get up to 200 in bonus bets that's fanduel.com locked on fanduel the official partner of Major League Baseball and of Locked On.
1: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar.
2: How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point.
1: 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? go to grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free that's grammarly.com slash podcast easier said done
3: all right we continue on here with your first listen of the day katie Heindel of dime and basketball feelings is along thanks as always to the everyday listeners of the show for for messing with us each and every day uh you're you're, you're sick, sick puppies and we love you for it okay Let's uh, talk about how things can turn around here, Katie. You know, like I mentioned off the top, it is probably unfair to be like, do something and like poke the team with a stick, like asking them to move and, and get get on with it with all of the uncertainty around Damian Lillard and James Harden and the player movement that is still to come this offseason. Like, maybe Harden sticks around. Maybe the, the Blazers balk at the Lillard thing and the Raptors look foolish for waiting for that stuff to kind of jump in on the action. But... It feels like those guys are going to get it moved at some point, Lillard in particular, and there could be dominoes that fall from there that allow the Raptors to kind of slide in and make their move to balance out their roster. Um, Katie, do you have like – where do you think is like a fair amount of benefit of the doubt to give the front office? Obviously, it's not been a banner two years of decision-making for them, and they have been – patient and like look i don't have a problem with patience in general but you could argue at this point they've been patient to a fault where they've kind of gone over the little sort of uh meridian of patience and now it's gotten into why just like get, get off your ass and do something uh, like it's it's tricky but where do you kind of fall on giving them the benefit of the doubt to let the chips fall where they may over the course of the rest of the summer We all want things done. We all don't want to spend August refreshing our phones, waiting for news. Uh, I I get that completely. It's it's tough to look around the league at other teams kind of completing their rosters, and you get to sort of put together lineup combinations and theorize about what it's all going to look like. The Raptors still feel like they have these sort of big swords hanging over the team. Do you feel like it's fair to give them a little bit more grace here and, and let things fall where they may as it relates to Lillard and the rest?
4: Well, we don't have a choice. Uh, and I would say <laughs> it generally like behooves us. I mean, I understand we've got a show to do, but I do think there's something to be said for, like, yeah, recognizing sometimes it's okay, even in the accelerant world of the NBA, for the pace to slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, deals aren't getting done just because people are being difficult. Uh, things are going on in people's lives, right? Mm-hmm. Guys are away, front offices are. Away people mm-hmm. that they kind of rely on throughout the year are trying to take what little time off they can get, so that's another thing to factor in. Um, I don't know if grace is the right word, but <laughs> I think everything that we've said would not come as a surprise to the Raptors front office. Like, mm-hmm. they, they feel that pressure themselves, I'm sure they want to get something done uh, in terms of like turning it around. I think we have to be very clear about what that looks like. Because if we're saying turnaround to what the team was like either last year or previous iterations, that ship was sailed. You know, it's never. I think, by,
3: I think by turnaround, I mean declare a direction, please.
4: Yeah, but like I would love that. I mean, I would have loved that last season, mm-hmm. season before. That I think is more of a maybe a fundamental identity problem mm-hmm. of Toronto and um, not in kind of wanting to waffle and wait and see how a team turns out. I don't know that they have that. They can't do that anymore because they don't really have the personnel anymore Mm -hmm. that will shape a team. Mm -hmm. Like you generally know as like piecemeal as the roster currently sits, you still generally know how everybody's gonna play. Mm
0: -hmm. They gotta
4: fill in some gaps. Um, But to me, like turning around means a functional team. It means like you're probably, I don't even know what they could do honestly, this summer that would make the Raptors a play-in team when I look around the East Mm. and kind of just see how the general level of competition has risen. Um, And maybe that's the reality. Like, that's a – I get it. Like, that's a – maybe not as fun of a reality to root for as a Raptors fan, but I think, you know, there has to be a certain level of uh, expectation that comes with whatever it is that they're going to do. Even if they take the big swing and somehow win, someone i don't know huge i also don't understand how things will kind of get back to a level of top five to ten competition that easily Mm -hmm. so yeah i think what we're looking at is more of like a long-term decision in terms of direction but i don't mean to complicate things more (laughs) with the things we've touched on earlier like OG's decision next summer you know and other kind of movements that could also be up in the air, so they're not like the position is not great to mm-hmm. sort of set a direction. Um, I think you have Darko and his coaching staff that are really going to try and set intentionality, and and I think we should almost look there for them to lead rather than the front office. Op- like the front office has to fill the gaps, sure, but I think it's really going to fall on the coaching staff, which isn't a bad thing at all.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think the Darko hire. Is a good one in like just you know when he we haven't seen him coach obviously things can go awry but the way he's spoken that the the staff he's hired like I do think they stand a chance of having like an on court direction and identity problem is the roster right now I, I don't care what kind of coaching genius you are like you can't make lemonade out of apples and the team is just like kind of like this weird team full of apples in, in this weird analogy right like it, it just it doesn't all fit together very well there's not a lot of shooting there is like zero shot creation and pull-up shooting and ball handling and all this stuff Mm -hmm. and so i guess for me like there are a few things that i think could happen between now and the end of the summer that where i would be like okay They've salvaged this a little and have kind of set themselves up better going into the season. One is a Pascal extension. If you extend Pascal, you get that big specter kind of out of the way. You obviously probably revisit down the line the idea of trading him, but Mm -hmm. you have him under contract and all of that stuff. Or you just let him and Scotty try to figure it out and spend the next couple years reshaping the roster around those two. I think either way, a Pascal extension would be a good thing for the franchise, for the direction, for all of this sort of uneasiness. You know, you just can't have both OG and Pascal as expiring dudes. Like, I just, I I don't know how that's tenable. Um, But... There's also, like, could you make a smaller deal on the margins? I know our pal Sam Vicini over in Game Theory with Andrew Schlecht yesterday was talking about an OG Ananobi for Emmanuel Quickly framework. And, like, if you can get a guard on this team who fits with Scotty Barnes, who better sets up Scotty for development going down the line, like, I think that would be a positive as well. As it stands, I don't think this roster is very conducive to maximizing Scotty Barnes's development. And so, can you get a player or players into the door who do help that, who do fit? better around Scotty, who clean up some of the overlap of skill sets that currently exists on the roster, I think that would be a positive. And, you know, frankly, I think those are kind of the ways. I don't see a Pascal trade right now being a win for the Raptors because they're just not going to get enough value back for a two-time All-NBA player. We could be proven wrong. Maybe some team goes crazy and comes out of the woodwork and offers everything for Pascal because they absolutely need him, but I don't see that happening right now. There's no team that kind of screams the Pascal landing place. The Hawks extending DeJounte Murray kind of ruined that idea as well, even though you can still make a deal there. It's just a less sexy deal for for both sides, probably, um, just as far as fit and all that goes. It's uh, yeah, it's just a weird spot to be in. But I do think those couple things could turn the tide and make it so, okay, this isn't all that bad as far as an off season of decision-making goes. And you've gone into the season, at least with an idea of like, okay, you know, we, we've we got Pascal locked up. We we have a team that makes more sense around Scotty. One of those things I think is kind of how you salvage this thing. Okay. Is there anything for you, Katie, like that you'd like to see that like in the next couple months here, if it goes down, you would say, you know what? They did it again. They pulled the rabbit out of the hat and things are all right.
4: Um, I like I'm not the thing about extending Pascal because I agree with you. I don't think you can go into the season with two guys expiring is still like are you just keeping him for the sake of some nostalgic idea of what the team was before, mm. you know, or, or are you keeping him with an understanding of how he's going to work with Scotty? How he's gonna work with even somebody like precious like how that how you're gonna like strike a new balance on the team
3: yeah i mean if you're trading if you're extending pascal i think it's either just a, a sort of indication that you're not getting proper value for him on his current contract and it's something you revisit down the line which hey that's you don't want to have that loose thread thing hanging over everybody but i also think like We've seen Scotty and Pascal be the two best players on a team that demolished the league over the back 50 games of a season. Like, I don't think that's nothing. It's just the roster now doesn't fit around those two guys very well. And so if you do extend Pascal, I think the move is you spend the next year or two revamping the roster around those guys, knowing you have the runway of Scotty on a rookie deal, whatever his next deal is going to be, and Pascal for the next five years. You don't often get runways like that, but if you can set yourself up with that runway... I think that's a viable plan. I kind of think 2023 24 is out as far as like real competitiveness. I, like yes. So they're going to be. <laughs> I think, you know, I don't think it's fair to say they can't make the play-in because I think making the play-in is not all that hard, really. Like, you got to be, what, 10th? Making 10th in the Eastern Conference is not... Uh... If you
4: say that now, dude, but like... <laughs> Look, I,
3: I'll believe the magic are not the magic when I see it over the course of a full season. And, you know, well, the injuries happen, the Bulls are the Bulls. Like, I, I don't think it's that crazy to make the top 10 in the East, but top six... Don't think that's happening as it stands right now, barring Mm -hmm. some massive, unexpected, and unrealistic to-expect development from guys. And so, yeah, I I just think, really, find a direction in these next couple months and and state it and and sort of go into the team, into the season with an intent. And I think that would make me pretty happy. And just get a guard, damn it. Uh, We're going to come back on the other side and get into sort of an undercovered part of the Raptors offseason that could actually be One of the things potentially holding stuff up and, you know, maybe kind of informing some decision-making, particularly for anything that's going to cost the Raptors a lot of money going more than three years into the future, it's ownership. We don't like talking about ownership, but we'll get to that in just one second. Before we do, however, make sure you go check out Locked On Leafs as our pals Mike and Dave doing a great job documenting the Toronto Maple Leafs offseason. William Nylander, Austin Matthews, are they going to extend? Are they going to trade? All that stuff. Go check them out. They're doing a great job over in your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube.
1: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
2: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point.
1: 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree?
3: Ownership, something we haven't really had to talk about in the Raptors world for a very long time because it's just this massive conglomerate, MLSE, owned by the two telecom companies that control our lives and, uh, you know, all these sort of faceless executives in a boardroom with Larry Tannenbaum as the face of the whole thing. Um, He is the NBA Board of Governors chairman, of course. He is very, very public-facing, you know, as some people have kind of written around Toronto. Like, it's pretty impressive that... A guy who owns 25% of the team through his holding company is very clearly just like the face of the ownership group of the Raptors and of the Leafs and all that stuff. But over the last couple months, things have changed a little bit. The reporting started in June, late June, that Larry Tannenbaum was going to be selling a stake of his holding company, Kilmer Sports Inc., uh, you know, he owned, owns 25% of the team. The reports are he's going to sell 20% of it to a pension plan fund for municipal workers in Ontario. This is in line with the sort of new rules about pension plans and sovereign wealth and all that stuff being allowed to invest in the NBA. And it's at a very, 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 very high valuation as well. Like $8, million, $8 billion overall for MLSE is sort of the, the valuation when you factor in what this deal is. That's not really the important part. The important part here is It's just uncertainty, Katie, because as it stands right now, both Bell and Rogers, the two companies who own most of MLSE, are potentially going to hold up the sale of this stake by Larry Tannenbaum to the pension plan for various rich people reasons, whatever. Um... And I think the thing that's really interesting here is th- there's a, a clause I suppose if you want to phrase it that way where in 3 years time Bell and Rogers can buy out Larry Tannenbaum's stake in the team. He's 78 years old. It makes sense. He's you know, he's going to be in his 80s by then, you know, I'm sure this was all pre-prescribed. He's been around for a long time. It's not like they're going to go do some hostile takeover. This is just probably the succession plan they have. But for me, Katie, it's just any little bit of ownership uncertainty any little bit of okay who's going to be running this show in a couple years that to me is troublesome because we've seen around the nba what not so good ownership can do and the raptors have been lucky to have pretty hands-off ownership that's been like you know what do your thing masai go do your stuff we're not going to get in the way of basketball operations but we've also heard the reports of ed rogers from rogers Kind of maybe being on the side of maybe Masai's not so great. Maybe we don't keep this guy around. And if Larry Tannenbaum is no longer the face of the team in three years, how does that factor down in all these little trickle-down decisions? In particular, contract extensions ranging in the $50 million a year range for star players that would lead into this post-Tannenbaum era. Katie, this is all very, like... High end, like, you know, sort of wishy washy rich people stuff. Like I said, it's hard to get a read on. Um, You know, it doesn't seem like anything's going to change right now with Tannenbaum. Even if this sale does go through, he's still going to have, what, 20% share of the team. He's still the NBA Board of Governors chairman. He just got elected that in September. Um, But what does this? sort of uncertainty mean to you and does it give you the sort of uh does it give you the wiggles as someone who is uh you know the wheelies i don't know is it freaky out as someone who has been watching a team that's been pretty stable with his ownership for a very very long time
4: yeah i think it's like two-sided i think you you're gonna get a lot of non-basketball people in in terms of executives trying mm-hmm. to make decisions like basketball decisions mm-hmm. because they're now given that um leeway to do so you know mm-hmm. um that's a bad thing. The Raptors have had that in the past. Uh, it didn't work out well. There's a lot more harsh decisions. You're going to, like, see probably a lot more turnover. Things won't be as steady. I think, also, it probably speaks to um, salary and cap considerations. You're not going to... Not that the Raptors are really a team that overspends as is, mm-hmm. but if there was ever, you know, a rare chance or opportunity uh, to, like, Extend or even just like you know NBA contracts and salaries are going up mm-hmm. like like despite the cba right like look at look at uh, Jalen brown's historic mm-hmm. deal so you think you look at things like that and that's just the way things are going that's the way agents are pushing things that's what players want and rightfully so but um when you're owned by two telecommunication companies that in canada for people who don't know pretty much own the country other yeah, than-
3: everything, baby. It's uh we're, we're all just subject to then like other Rogers. than gross
4: like our grocery <laughs> mandate, like the three of them, you know, the three <laughs> of those companies kind of own everything in Canada. Uh they're they're chief. Like they're they're not yeah. going to be the ones to say like, yeah, definitely pay that person all this money to keep them. They'll be like, "Nah, we can find someone else." When it's like, actually, no you can't because mm-hmm. you don't understand what's going on. You don't understand the landscape of the league. You maybe haven't been following it as Mm -hmm. long as somebody like Larry Tanbaum has. And again, like to echo on what you said, there is an appeal to the kind of hands-off ownership groups. Mm -hmm. Um, You've seen what kind of singular billionaires can do when they're allowed to run amok. Hi, Tillman. (laughs) But, and this isn't like a Tillman positive stance, but Mm -hmm. um, specifically, I think if you start to see some of the negative fallout from more corporate, ownership mm-hmm. you may pine for a maniac billionaire <laughs> who just, who just loves to right. hoop. yeah yeah it's just like <laughs> no I see myself in this world and you know yeah I'm gonna put my foot in it sometimes but mm-hmm. I'm not beholden to anybody else right so there's like a lot of considerations there there's trickle- down effects I think through what it means for team culture for the people working in and around the team which can't really mm-hmm. be overstated because we do uh, we don't really talk about those people on this show but they're part of this whole ecosystem, you know, and like that goes in, they see, they see athletes every day. They work with them every day. Like it goes well beyond, you know, just the players in terms of like what's a good and stable environment. So Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot, we're obviously like forecasting well into the future with this, but it is an interesting thing because as you said, the Raptors haven't had to deal with this for a really long time. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious to see what happens.
3: Yeah, like we're we're in that time frame now where the next regime or next face of MLSE, you know, is going to be overseeing things that happen today in, in, on the team. And I think anytime you get to that point, anytime there's the potential of like corporate overlords to come in and tighten the purse strings, you know, like what does this mean for Masayu Giri, who's like one of the most highly paid executives in all of pro sports? Like does someone come in and say, does Ed Rogers get a bigger say? Like, does Larry Tanemon going from 25 to 20% stake? Like, does that have something yeah. to do with the decision-making? Probably not. Like, I don't think anything changes necessarily in the next couple of years, but as the sort of keys get handed over, I, I certainly think there is uh, a potential for yeah, for there to be this sort of desire for a single ghoul to own the team, because at least you know one ghoul. You can't really get a read on a boardroom full of ghouls, and that is a frightening thought. It's a good thing the Raptors won their title when they did, because uh, <laughs> uh, who knows what lies ahead when the uh, corporate overlords take over the team. Uh, Katie, we'll leave it there. We will, uh, you know, certainly keep up to date on this ownership stuff as, as things come out. It seems like it's kind of on hold right now as Rogers and Bell push back against the sale for now, but we shall see, and uh, we'll keep it tabs, of course, on all the other off-season goings-on. Katie, anything you want to promote for the good people out there?
4: Uh, yeah, I wrote, a, I wrote a basketball feeling, something about the Kemba Walker um, signing in Monaco, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. basically what it means for him to kind of create a new definition of success for himself and how... I think in terms of the NBA's definitions of success, how those things can kind of be limiting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also talked about the uh, Kylian Mbappe deal because a couple of notable NBA superstars commented on it. Um, Talked about Saudi money, (laughs) the kind of morals (laughs) around money that we want athletes to have. Uh, And I also will have something on the Toronto Raptors and a little bit about the situation that you and I just talked about today uh, on Yahoo Sports Canada coming out. Later this week. Uh, and if you missed it, I also wrote a profile about um, Marquise Noel from Summer League Reporting. Uh, oh, yeah. And that's also on Yahoo Sports Canada.
3: Everyone, go check out all of Katie's wonderful, wonderful writing. It is the very, very best. You are the, just the best in the game, Katie. We're very glad that you uh, punched down weekly on this show, <laughs> hang out with me. Uh, we will leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Jamar Hines will be along tomorrow. We're going to have some fun. It's been a grim week. I feel like I've been down on the team. Yeah, the people
4: wh- are turning against you. <laughs> Whew!
3: I mean, look, do I go on Raptors Reddit? No. Do I care? No. But uh, I guess I'm just like the internet grump now, which, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe no longer am I. It's fine. Guy. turns out I was it's fine guy when the team was fine for 10 years and less it's fine when they're not fine shocking uh we'll leave it there we'll talk to you again tomorrow and uh, appreciate you hanging go support the show by subscribing rating reviewing etc etc and uh come hang in the discord link is in the description as always always welcome a new folks in there to come hang out we'll leave it there talk to you thursday Bye bye